listening to Make Your Way, Season 3, Episode 5. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I am settled in here with my cup of Earl Grey tea with coconut Mm. milk, ready to talk to Mm. you about video creation. Yay, videos. Yay, (laughs) videos. And I feel like this is the episode where Sarah gets to shine and Katie gets to pretend that she knows anything about creating videos. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. Well, we shall see. You do just fine. (laughs) We shall see. Okay, so um, Sarah, let's kick it off with, because we both did really, we both have videos in the thing that we're creating. Mm -hmm. But we did them in really different ways. So can you talk first about like how many videos, what's like the general format for these videos before Mm -hmm. we get into the actual production? Yeah, sure thing. So um, for this toolkit product uh, that I am creating, we currently uh, have three videos um, that are each five to seven minutes in length. Um, They are content heavy, but also focus on... um, they actually have, you know, interactions that we filmed. Um, so they were scripted, uh, but also a little bit loosely scripted. I will I'll call it that because um, when we did the filming, uh, there was a little bit of like, let's try this or let's do this a little differently, that sort of thing. So um, outlined at least, kind of lightly scripted. Uh, so they involve both, you know, kind of talking direct to camera as well as sort of showing behaviors in action. Um, we hope to continue to do these kinds of videos um, in in the future. We kind of have called them role play videos because they they do sort of show a particular scenario and how a care provider can work with a young child to kind of reduce challenging behaviors is really the focus of these videos. So we're hoping to continue to do more of these kinds of role play videos. Um, So we have three currently in this package that, um, that we're developing right now. Okay, so I was really curious about this when you first started talking about it, because you are actually showing children in these videos? Yeah, so this, um, what what we ended up doing is um, Tracy has a a 14-year-old daughter who has done a little bit of acting, uh, and so she volunteered, or was asked to volunteer, I'm not sure which, uh, to to play a younger child. So she's acting like a, you know, three to five-year-old. We were able to do this, obviously, because it's, it's, you know, Tracy's daughter, so she could give permission. Originally, we were talking about getting um, a younger child actually uh, involved in it, Um, and it didn't work out just in terms of the the filming schedule for this particular series, but in the future we might consider doing that, and that's um, really just handled the same way, frankly, that a lot of, uh, you know, research studies would be handled. We we would get parental consent um, as well as assent assent from the child uh, to participate in in the video um, and make sure that all of those ducks were in a row. But in this particular series, um, uh, Tracy's daughter volunteered to, to be a part of it. Okay, so how did you go about deciding and kind of designing what the videos were going to look like? Because you probably have multiple different shots going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you shooting B-roll for this as well? Or are you just like, tell us more yeah. about that? Yeah, so um, the way that we did this is, is Tracy and I met uh, to talk a little bit about what would we want to show uh, and what, what would we want this to look like for each of these three different behavior types that we wanted to unpack. So um, we wanted to, to tackle acting out behaviors, so like 
throwing things, for example. Uh, we wanted to do shutting down behaviors. So the sort of slumping over the, the paper and not accepting help from an adult. And um, the other one was defiance. So the like, you're not the boss of me, you can't make me do anything, that kind of thing. So for each of those um, different kinds of behaviors, we wanted to set up a kind of general scenario uh, that might happen in an early care environment. So we thought, okay, let's do, you know, let's pretend that this child is learning how to write their name and they have a really hard time with it. And so then they shut down and kind of slump over on their paper, right? Like they're at the, at the table working together. And so then we thought about, okay, what would that look like to film that? Um, what kind of space would we need? Uh, where could we kind of showcase this, that sort of thing? So Tracy works in an early care environment. And so she has access to uh, classrooms um, that, that have the kinds of um, scenery, I guess, that we would need uh, in order to, to convey this appropriately. So really, it was a series of conversations about what do we want each of these things to look like? And then um, what would the kind of scripting the language back and forth between the uh, care provider and the child look like? So um, Tracy really took the lead on that because that's really her area of expertise. And um, and then we met on a cold January day in Minnesota and um, basically filmed all of these different scenarios uh, and and kind of, you know, had them scripted out, practiced them a couple times, um, filmed from, you know, one angle for each shot, um, but one zoomed in, one zoomed out to kind of get a, a little variety in footage. Um, and it was really actually pretty straightforward and pretty easy. Um, a lot of that is due to the fact that both Tracy and her daughter are very good on camera. And so it was really easy to, to get that across. The other thing that happened in the creative process is when we were filming, um, I was kind of editing in my head. That's the thing I sometimes do when I go into a project like this is I have a pretty good idea in terms of an outline of what I want this to look like and what the different pieces might be. But as I'm in the process of filming, I might think, ooh, what I really want here is a little interjection from the teacher, for example, on what is it that she's thinking about doing differently this time versus last time, hmm. for example. And so we ended up kind of on the fly filming a couple of those um, where I kind of asked Tracy, you know, think a little bit about what, what might a teacher be reflecting on and we'll just film kind of a direct to camera. So she was just looking directly at the camera and kind of acting out the like, hmm, I wonder what I would do differently this time if, you know, I wonder if this is going on, those kinds of things. So then I was able to later on kind of pull that in. And it really, I think, enhanced the um, the feel of the video where we didn't necessarily plan that out ahead of time. That was kind of a, a fly by the seat of our pants kind of thing. Um, and again, thankfully, Tracy's really, really great on camera and was really willing to just kind of try it and go with the creative vision. Now I've done that before at other projects and then ended up not using the footage that I thought I would. Um, so it goes both ways. I would say that it's a little bit of both, but um, I thought it was really valuable to have that process of, of kind of scripting things out, but also being um, available in the moment to the creative energy and where that was going. You and your creative energy. <laughs> Going where the energy is. Right. Okay. So what, tell us about the equipment you're using for this. Yeah. So I have a, um, a Canon T5i, I think. Um, and I have a, a lens for that. That's a, um, it does, it does really well on kind of zoom, zooming in, uh, on scenes and, uh, it's a, it's a good lens, not an amazing lens, but it's a, a decent lens. Um, and then I also have a three-point light kit. So um, for any of you who are looking at getting into more serious um, filmmaking or 
even if just doing kind of vlog style or interview video kinds of things, light is super important. <laughs> so um, the two main qualities you want to focus on in any video is light and audio. So um, I have a three point light kit, which those run, those are pretty decently priced on Amazon these days. Um, and really what three point lighting allows you to do is to, to light a scene from a few different angles. Um, and so I, I don't always know what I'm doing with respect to three point lighting. I'll be completely honest. I'm not a trained filmmaker in the same way, but um, I've learned a lot by doing and, and by talking to friends who are trained filmmakers. Um, and so I brought my lights with, with me to kind of help light the scene a little bit better. Thankfully, the room we were filming in um, had a lot of natural light so that it wasn't as much of a problem that way. But um, just being thoughtful about the scene composition, right? You want your video to look good. Um, and so in this particular case, because we were in the early care environment, I had to be thoughtful of, you know, what am I showing in the background? Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with early care environments, sometimes there's a lot of like student artwork with their names on the walls, for example. So I had to be thoughtful about, okay, we want to make sure that we're um, setting up this scene so that it's clear that we're in an early care environment, but I also don't want to be giving away kids' names on YouTube, right? Like that's that's not good either. So um, being thoughtful about those kinds of constraints and, and things uh, as you're setting up the scene and just wanting it to be visually interesting, making sure that you're focusing on the things you want to be focusing on. So in one of the videos, you know, Tracy takes um, takes the child's hands and, and kind of holds holds hands for a little bit. And so I want to make sure that that's captured in in the framing. Um, so being thoughtful about about those sorts of things. And sometimes that takes a little bit of trial and error. And, you know, you zoom in on one and you're like, whoop, nope, that didn't work. <laughs> Try it again. Um, and also in terms of audio, I'll talk briefly about that as well. I have um, found that there are a couple of really affordable little lavalier mics on, again, on Amazon, um, and we can link to them in the show notes specifically, but they do a really great job if you've got a cell phone that still has a headphone jack. I know a lot of them don't anymore, but um, I found that just plugging that into the phone and then going to voice memos on my phone and just recording directly there, that worked really, really well because then Tracy could have a mic on her um, and then I wasn't getting a lot of the room noise by using my my mic that's um, that I have on my on my camera specifically. So that actually worked really well to get good quality audio during the scenes. Um, and then, you know, for a lot of the, the other interview things, um, similar sort of setup, just thinking about how do we how do we want this to look? Um, there's a section of these videos where Tracy and I are talking to each other. And so it was setting up a, a, a scene where, you know, we would be able to both be seen on camera um, and both be kind of framed well um, and have the conversation kind of back and forth and make, and make that look presentable. So um, yeah, there's a lot that goes in into filmmaking in this kind of way, but I, I do find it's a lot of trial and error, kind of figuring out what you think looks good and looking around and seeing what other people do and, and kind of adapting it as you go. So how long have you been doing this kind of video production? Just to give people a sense, because I mean, if some people might be listening to this feeling completely intimidated. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I have been doing YouTube videos, which have been primarily vlog style. Uh, so that's direct to camera. I'm just talking directly at the camera um, and, you know, sharing content that way. I've been doing that for going, I think it's three years now. Yeah, uh, I started in, in 2015, I guess that would be. Um, so... So I have some experience doing that in terms of doing interviews and in terms of doing other kinds of filming, I have less experience. Um, I've done a few different things here and there, but 
but by and large, that's been a lot less. Um, and the light kit I just got a year ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm adding incrementally to my skill set as I go. Uh, it's not like I came out in 2015 and was like, all right, <laughs> I'm going to do all this stuff. And frankly, in 2015, I would look at what I'm doing now and be like, whoa, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I didn't know I could get that far. So, um, it is just a continuous process of learning uh, as I go. But yeah, I've been doing video for about three years and I've just learned a ton from both from trial and error and from talking to people who actually know what they're doing when it comes to making videos. So I'm curious too, like, when did you know you wanted to do this kind of video for this product? Because mm -hmm. there are lots of other ways you could have done it that might have been easier. They wouldn't involve, you know, going on set, scripting mm -hmm. it, have, involving multiple people, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, right. What helped you to make the decision to go in this direction? I mean, honestly, it was what Tracy and I have heard over and over and over from people in our in our audience of, of early care providers, which is, you know, it's great to know the science. It's great to know the research about child development. It's great to hear the theories about how you work with kids who are, you know, dealing with challenging behaviors. But there's something different about seeing it in action and being able to look at a scene as it's happening and use things like motion graphics, for example, in, in video to point out, this is the strategy that Tracy's using right now, right? Like we can talk about it intellectually, but to actually see her doing it, it brings the learning into a new kind of place uh, for a lot of people. And so it came out of this request from people who wanted to see it and wanted to know what this looks like, uh, take it from theory into practice in a really more tangible way. Um, and so really it was, it was from a request, you know, it was from that, that, that place, listening to our audience and, and understanding what they need. And me saying, you know, I think we can do this. Like Tracy brings the expertise in that, in how that, um, how those behaviors work and how care providers can work with children and those sorts of things. Whereas I brought the filmmaking experience and was like, Hey, let's try this. I don't know if it'll work, but I, I'm confident that we can get some interesting things uh, and things that will be valuable to our audience who really wants that more tangible hands-on kind of um, kinds of role play example. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you, you mentioned going and shooting for about a day. Yeah. And then what was the editing process like for these videos? Yeah, um, the the great thing about having a sort of script, or at least an outline, um, was that we knew kind of what it, what pieces went where. It was kind of a puzzle, you know, you, you pick the different pieces and plug them in. Um, editing for me is really hard to describe because editing, video editing is one of those rare things where I get into kind of a flow state, and pretty regularly actually when I'm editing video. And honestly, you know, there, there are parts of it that I had to film after the fact, um, some kind of transition pieces and introductory pieces and that sort of thing. So um, a lot of that was based both on the script that we created originally, but also when I reviewed the footage and saw what we had and what links needed to be made between the things that we'd already filmed, I was able to kind of just do a, a direct camera kind of standard stuff that I normally do um, to, to fill in those gaps. And then it was a matter of kind of plugging things in and, um, you know, moving things around and figuring out where can we cut, where can we trim, um, and where where is it necessary to have sort of the visual example, where can we, um, you know, use text and graphics to kind of bring out a point. Um, and it's, it's just such a creative process for me that I, I honestly, I have a really hard time describing what that 
is to me. Um, it's another one of those where I know kind of what I'm looking for. Um, and I know how I, how I want it to look. And then it's just a matter of trying to make that happen. Um, in terms of some of the practical stuff, I use Final Cut Pro primarily for my editing. So that, um, that for those of you who aren't, aren't familiar is, uh, it's a Mac product, uh, and it's a step up from iMovie. So your Mac computer will come with, with iMovie standard on it. iMovie is great if you're just getting kind of started and getting your feet wet in, in video making. It has a lot of functionality, um, and a lot of really great tools in it. Um, but I, I knew pretty quickly I wanted to step up from that. Uh, and I wanted to do more sophisticated things with my videos. And so I went ahead and, and um, purchased Final Cut Pro. For those of you who are on PCs, uh, the comparable one to Final Cut Pro is probably Adobe Premiere. Um, their, their package has a, uh, a bunch of different things in it, but specifically their, their video making software um, is excellent from what I have heard from my colleagues who use that. So if you're looking for some, um, you know, some upper level kinds of, uh, video editing software. Those are, those are the ones I would recommend. Um, I know there are a bunch of free options for PC users as well. I don't know them as well. Uh, I don't know which ones people tend to recommend. Um, but we can put a few links in the show notes to some things, um, that talk a little bit about those different editing softwares. Cause I know that's a question people have a lot, um, when they're, especially when they're first getting started in edit video editing, like, how do I even do this? Where do I, where do I start? So, um, we can definitely link to that in the show notes as well. Okay, good. Um, Okay, so once you have the videos edited, yep. what kind of post-production do you have? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so this was a little bit uh, different in a few ways for, for this particular product than uh, a few other projects and things that I've done. But really, because there were three videos that we wanted to have the same kind of look and feel, the same flow to them, um, because they were going to be all packaged together, it was really a matter of, you know, doing the first one. The first one took the longest because it, that was the first, like, let's creatively put this together and see what we want this to look like and how do we make this the best thing possible and all of that. And then once we'd done that, then it was like, oh, okay, now I can just do this again two more times. Um, so the second and third videos were much easier to edit, uh, and pull together and I also worked with um, Tom, who's my video producer on my channel, to do some of the motion graphics um, of the text that appears on the screen um, and, you know, calling out certain things and, and uh, that sort of process. So there's, um, if you go and watch the video, and I'll put, I'll put a link to the one that is on my YouTube channel um, in, the, in the show notes. But if you go to that one, you'll see a lot of, like, colored boxes showing up or things that are like pro tip for educators or that sort of thing. So a lot of that stuff goes in in post-production um, and is is a little bit more uh, sophisticated than stuff that I've really done before. And so um, I, I did a little bit of that. Tom did some of that. So we, we kind of pieced that together a little bit. Um, but really the the magic, I think, of these videos is, is in how they're edited and in how the transitions happen. Um, because it... it in my opinion, at least, <laughs> you don't ever feel bored. There's not a point where you're not getting something out of it. Um, there's There are no superfluous words, right? There are no superfluous uh, or extra kinds of content shoved in. It's it's pretty, we, we tried to make it as pared down, as short, as brief, and as packed as possible. And um, that's, that's usually my approach to these kinds of products is we want it to be short, we want it to be succinct, and we want it to have a, a lot for people to, to digest and to talk about. Um, so that was really the goal here. And, and the editing of that 
making things short is really, really hard. It's like with writing. I mean, if you're if you're used to writing a lot and then having to pare yourself down, like same kind of thing with editing, <laughs> video editing. It's uh, it's a process of really massaging your content to make sure that you're getting it down to the to the bare bones of what you want to communicate, but also making it as full and robust as possible. Okay, that's a lot of work, Sarah. <laughs> I, it is, but I love it. <laughs> I feel like it was the last episode or the one before that where I was describing something and you're like, I'm like Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> and you're you're describing this and I'm like Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> you have your workbooks, I have my videos, you know. It right, works out. right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it it it's fun though. I I really enjoy it. Now a lot of a lot of people like you said are going to be the Homer Simpsons <laughs> backing into the bushes about it. Um but I think for me, because video is such a powerful communication tool uh, and because it's it's here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future, um, it's a benefit to me and to my business to be able to do these more complex kinds of videos and to be known for that. And I'm already starting to see, um, you know, other inquiries and things coming in because of my video work um, for people who are like, oh, you can do that thing. Cool. Can you come do that for me in this way? Um so it's it's a market that I'm excited to continue to explore. And this was a great package opportunity to kind of get to really try out a new way of doing stuff. So I enjoyed it. It was great fun. Well, and I think we talked about I don't I can't remember which season, but how this is really your medium. You know, like yeah. writing is my medium, videos are your medium. Um yep. and when you find your medium, it's a different ballgame in terms of what you can yep. do, what you're willing to do, how motivated you are to do it. And like you said, the flow state, you know, that you fall into mm-hmm. when you're working on video editing. I do the similar thing when I do some design work, when I'm writing, you know, like, so mm-hmm. everyone has their thing. Um, yeah. And once you find that, I think you can really build it into your business in interesting ways. Yeah. And I'd be curious, you know, if because you've talked about getting into kind of a flow state with writing, like, is it as hard for you to describe what that process looks like as it is for me with video editing? Like, could you could you describe, you know, you asked me, so what does the video editing look like? Like, if I were to ask you, so what does writing look like for you? Like, could you describe it? I don't know. It just feels weird that I can't describe this thing I love doing. <laughs> well, I mean, you get into it's almost like a dream state. I mean, like yeah. when you're in a flow state, I mean, I could describe like no. So the simple answer is no. Um <laughs> but I will say, for example, um and I did this uh I'm trying to think which project I did this for. I think it was when I did my writing challenge a couple years ago or it would have been a year ago this April where I did an hour every day of working on my book. Mm-hmm. And was it that or was it my no I'm sorry it was the December writing retreat that I did and I actually took video of myself sitting at my desk and then mm-hmm. I sped it up like super fast to like show people like <laughs> this it. is what it takes you sit at your desk yeah. for a long period of time and you work on things <laughs> like mm-hmm. so that's like the closest I've come um but I mean with design though I feel like I just I have a hard time not bringing something to completion So once I know that I've like started on something, whether it's a design project or a writing project, like if I start working on a chapter and I still have things to say, I really try to stay working on it until I'm kind of either exhausted or I feel like I finished it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's part of the flow state too, is just, I'm I'm used to doing that. I don't really, Mm -hmm. once I sit down to work on something, I like to just commit. Yep. But yeah. 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 It. I, I don't know. We can't describe our flow states. So, you know, listeners, if you have words to describe some of your experiences of being in a flow state and what that actually looks like for, for your product that you're making, like, I, I'd love to hear what people have to say about that, because 
I don't know. Like, when you asked me that question, I was like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just amazing. (laughs) And I love it. Well, and if you're not sure what we're talking about, too, there is a really amazing book called Flow that we will Mm -hmm. um, put into the show notes that is a phenomenal exploration of flow states and what Mm -hmm. they are and and how people and how people fall into them. Um, A lot of people are um, experiencing it with things like exercise, running, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mountain climbing, whatever it is that they do. Um, <laughs> and we just happen to experience it, you know, sitting at our desks. So, <laughs> Being giant nerds. Right, great. right, right. So Katie, I've, I've commandeered most of the time here. I'm curious to talk about uh, your process of video creation. So I know that you used a lot of scripting uh, or you did a lot of scripting for the videos that you're using for your product. Um, So I'm wondering a little bit if you could talk about your process for doing videos and how you think it uh, fits in with your product and how you think it it makes it a a better learning experience for your users. Sure. So my process is super different than yours. So if people are are backing into the bushes, um, (laughs) they might find my process to be a little better. I don't know. Um, So we talked about how writing is my medium which um, that is really showcased in how I do videos for at least these master courses. So when I'm designing a course from scratch, one of the things that I always keep in mind is accessibility. And rather than wanting to create video transcripts after I have done videos like off the cuff, I would rather script the videos so that the transcript is already created. Hmm. So that's just like one like rationale for why I do it this way because the courses have a lot of text content and it would be a huge amount of my time to either do those transcripts myself or a huge amount of my money to pay someone else to do those transcripts. So um, that's that's one part of my um, decision-making process. And for this particular course, um, I I backward designed it. So I um, looked at kind of the goals and objectives first and knew kind of what the general content pieces were, what I wanted people to kind of learn throughout each module broke the course into seven different modules and then gave each of those seven different modules six sections. So I was kind of subdividing things. And this is um, one of my superpowers, like chunking information (laughs) is definitely one of my superpowers. So this comes to me very naturally. Um, I'm a strategic planner. I have high like levels of executive function. So, you know, like this kind of thing just makes a lot of sense to me to do it this way. And so once I had those six sections, then I basically started to script the videos um, and to to get a sense of like, what did I want to cover in each of those? So um, to give you an example, some well, in some of the, the sections had more than one video. So this is when I first started um, envisioning what this would look like. I knew it would have approximately 60 videos like that was in Mm. the original plan. So that's why it felt huge to me. And I was like, oh, this is going to take me like a year. Um, But then as I started building out the course, I would say I added at least 25 videos to that, um, in part because certain modules just required more videos. So one example of that is the second module. I go over five different kinds of research designs that work well for scholarship of teaching and learning, and I cover um, qualitative, quantitative mixed methods, something called design-based research, and something called decoding by the disciplines. And in each of those kind of subsections, I give three examples of research designs broken down and described from actual articles that have been published in Scholarship of Teaching and Learning from a range of disciplines. And so each of those breakdowns got their own video. So Mm. that section of the course has just 15 videos of examples like of just me walking through an article and saying, 
What was their research question? How did they choose to kind of tackle it with their research design? What data did they collect? How did they analyze that data? What were their conclusions? You know, like those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, and some people like just hang in there, people, because you may just be like snoring listening to that. But um, for some people, that's really important to know. So well, and that there are so many, so many videos as a part of each module too. Right, or, right. So, yeah, part so, of each section. Yeah, yeah, like some section has just, they just have one video. Like in mm-hmm. the, the IRB section of the course, I'm just doing like, you know, six videos or seven videos, I think. Um, but in that particular module, I really broke things down. And once I scripted the videos also, I didn't want to have videos to being super long. Like I wanted all the videos to definitely be five minutes or less. And and usually they're quite a bit shorter than that as well. They might run like two to three minutes and then um, you're, you're kind of moving on to the next thing. So these are these are scripts that are usually roughly one page single spaced per video. So once I scripted them, I also went through and said, were there places where there were like natural breaks where I knew I wanted to make it into more than one video? Um, Mm. Just because I felt like people would want to not watch, you know, to me talking for 10 minutes or whatever. Right. right. So I do that a lot. I break things down um, into kind of bite sized pieces. So that video scripting, um, so basically in in terms of the order of how I did this work with the course, the workbook design came first because that allowed me to really flesh out all the different kinds of things I wanted people to do when they were designing these projects. And then the scripts came next. And I'm still having a little bit of like, I don't want to say PTSD because that's like, that's, that is an offensive (laughs) use of that, you know, but whatever the equivalent is, that's not offensive. Um, I wrote 33,000 words in like four weeks for these video scripts, Um, (laughs) which I mean, that's basically a hundred pages, single spaced. It's about half the size of a book um, of one of my typical books. Usually my books run a, you know, a little over 50,000 words. So, uh, oh my God, no it's a lot. It, it was a lot. No big deal. Yeah. And it's cool. <laughs> I was writing them on planes. I was writing them in, in the morning before going to work. I was, I mean, like I, it was just, it was a thing. And if you followed me on social media, you saw me doing it. Um, and the, so, so I'm curious real quick, when you're writing these scripts, are they, um, are they each unique or did you have like a template? Like once you'd made one or two or whatever, did you have the template then to work with? Like, oh, that's here's a good the intro idea. language. Yeah. That's a yeah, really good like... question. So some of them are templated in that every module ha- has an intro video that talks about what's going on in that module. And those mm-hmm. were templated. Obviously, the content changes for each video. Um, some of them are talking about the workbook and doing an overview of the workbook for that particular module. So those mm-hmm. were templated. And then I have a um, one that goes over the goals and objectives for that module, for each individual module. So that was templated. And then mm-hmm. there's a conclusion video for each module that was also templated. So each module okay. has at least four templated videos. Um, so four times seven, you know, 28 of the videos of, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe like roughly a third okay. were templated. Everything else was from scratch. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so that was definitely a huge time investment to get that done and to feel like the video scripts and, and the challenge was every time I kind of thought I was getting close, then I would end up realizing, oh, I need a workbook video, you know, and then I would add Mm. seven more scripts. I mean, it was like, Mm -hmm. like the the more I went (laughs) along, the more it was like, it just wouldn't end. Like there was like the, the finish line kept moving. Um, now I have a completed script. Um, it is, you know. 
fleshed out, done. And I have now, so that's step one is to kind of get that done. And I, I do this in stages. Like I'm not, I can't like move on until I have like that part done. Mm -hmm. Um, so then the next step is to record the audio for all of those scripts as separate files so that I can then, um, layer in slide decks and I do primarily voiceover PowerPoint. So there's a couple videos in the course, like, especially in the intro where you'll see me on camera and I just talk directly to the, my computer camera. Like this is not fancy. Like I just literally do a, a like quick time video just saying like, yeah. Hey, and I, I use my mic. So it, the audio is, is captured a little bit better. Um, but for the audio for this, I had thought about doing it in my podcast closet because it's uh, lined with foam. So I wanted the audio quality to be good. But then I thought about sitting in that podcast closet for <laughs> for 30,000 words, for 30,000 <laughs> words. I mean, I literally recorded an audiobook, people. I mean, it was just yeah. so much. And let, can I just also tell you, like listening to yourself talk for that long, it's just, you know, I had <laughs> to take breaks. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I just, and I listen to myself talk all the time because I'm a podcaster, but I, still, I was just like, oh my God, like just, I needed like a, a retreat, a silent retreat. Yeah. Um, so I actually decided to record it at my desk and I just brought in some pillows and, and like strategically arranged them around my mic just to give it a little bit better audio quality. Um, mm -hmm. So then I did that. And that took me several days just because, like I said, I needed to take breaks and I was just sick of hearing myself talk. Um, but it was a nice test of do I feel like the content is um, cohesive? Do I feel, you mm -hmm. know, like it's um, hanging together? Are there gaps? You know, like as I was listening to myself going through this, it, it was, you know, starting to feel um, like it made sense. Mm hmm. So I record the audio for all of that. And then, um, so that's the next phase. And then the phase after that is I have to create the slide decks. Mm. Um, and again, I like to kind of get through one full phase at, before I move on. Like, it's just helpful for me to kind of not be working on the scripting and the audio recording and the slide decks and the editing, like all at the same time. I would prefer to mm -hmm. like get through one thing and then move on. And this is actually very similar to advice that I received when I was dissertating, where my advisor was like, don't partially write a chapter and move on. She was like, complete a chapter and then move on. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just have a partially completed book and like you have all these pieces that don't make sense. So, you know, like just finish one piece and keep going. So I've, I've definitely used that strategy for this as well. Um, <laughs> so I am actually in the process right now of creating all the slide decks. I've created decks for about a third of the videos. Um, and, and really the more templated ones, um, are the ones that I've kind of done first. Um, mm -hmm. and then I'm now going through module my module and using the video scripts to create the slides. So mm -hmm. I have a certain kind of aesthetic look and feel in terms of color and font, but a lot of it is very text-based. They're not super visual heavy and I'm okay with that because, mm -hmm. um, it is me giving content. I mean, like that is really the purpose of these is, is sharing information and, um, they have the visual guide of the workbook um, mm -hmm. in front of them, hopefully, as they're watching these videos. And the videos are relatively short. So for all of those mm -hmm. reasons, I feel like it's okay to have it be a little more text focused. Yeah, no, that, that seems completely reasonable. And I think it brings up a great point about knowing what your audience will need or or want in a particular you know, type of learning experience. And for what you're trying to do, that's totally reasonable to, right. to have it be the, you know, the more text heavy kind of, kind of, you know, delivering content kind of approach. And I think there are lots of, uh, a lot of ways that, that people can adapt that for different kinds of, of things that you may be trying to build. Um, and so I, I, 
I want to underscore that there's no one right way to do video. Um, there are lots of different ways to use video as a medium, especially in the educational world. And I love that we have two kind of different approaches here <laughs> to, to how to do it. It's great. Right. Well, and, and let me also, because you shared about your um, your tech side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I am scripting using Word. Like I'm literally just opening Word documents and writing this down. I'm recording using QuickTime on my computer mm-hmm. and with my mic, which I can drop the mic into the show notes. It's I've actually talked about it too on um, some podcast episodes that I've done. It's the mic that I use for podcasting. And um, then I am using, I am using um, iMovie to do editing. So Sarah was saying, mm-hmm. you know, like this is, this is the thing you can use before you need fancy stuff. I don't need fancy stuff. So I'm definitely using iMovie. And then I take my videos and I upload them unlisted to YouTube and then I embed them in my course. Um, so that's kind of how I'm approaching that piece of it as well. So this is like the final piece, other than kind of pulling the supplemental resources together, which are, I would say like 60% done at this point, um, the video production and the editing is definitely gonna be a thing for sure. Mm-hmm. But also at this point, I've done quite a bit of this kind of video editing, cause this is the kind of thing that I do when I create mini courses out of my webinars. And mm-hmm. I have always followed this structure. Um, I will probably be pulling in my um, business partner, who is also my life partner, into doing some of this editing as well, um, because this is a product that he can actually work on. A lot of the stuff I do mm-hmm. in the business, he cannot. So um, he will probably be helping with that. But yeah, it'll be there will probably be a couple marathon days of <laughs> just like pulling this together. But the nice thing is once you have the audio and it's really just a couple of minutes, a lot of those have just a couple of slides associated with them. So yep. it's not like you're doing a ton of editing. I'm just making sure that I don't have any audio editing um, that I need to kind of clip little things where I like to have a false start or something like that. And then like actually dropping in the slides is not that big of a deal. So right. um, yeah, so I'm working on the slide creation now and that's kind of where I'm at. Cool. Yeah, moving right along. <laughs> oh, it's I a like thing. It. It's a thing. This is actually probably the biggest thing I've taken on. I mean, this amount of videos is definitely mm-hmm. the biggest I've done in terms of video mm-hmm. creation. And taking it in chunks like this has actually been super helpful. And I know next time we're going to talk about systems for content creation. And I definitely had to put some systems into place between juggling the workbook creation and the video creation and making mm-hmm. sure like nothing was getting lost in terms of process. <laughs> I definitely had to put some systems in a place that I've never had to do before. So Mm -hmm. um, it was a new uh, kind of experimentation on the system side for me as well. Yeah, new adventure. I'm curious, um, and and I'll answer this question too, but I'm curious if you have kind of one bit of advice for someone who might be wanting to use video in either their product or their online course, uh, if you have sort of one one nugget of wisdom or or advice that you'd give um, for people who are interested in, in that. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, we talked about the consistency piece on the last episode, which I think is huge. Um, well, so I guess I want to let me talk a little bit about the scripting versus the off the cuff, because mm-hmm. I've been in courses where people just kind of like riff and they have a slide deck and they're doing like voiceover PowerPoint and they just kind of riff and like talk about the things they want to talk about. And some people are really good at that and some people are not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so I guess I would just say, like, know your strengths and yeah. know your weaknesses and and try to find a video production um, structure that works well for you. And for mm-hmm. me, it would actually be more work 
on the post-production side if I was just like randomly talking about these slides. Like it, right. it's actually better for them to be scripted in terms of the kind of content that I'm trying to share and the user experience. And I think some people would be like, oh, scripted slides, like, you know, like it's like scripting your lectures. Like, and I wouldn't do that. I'm, but I'm also mm -hmm. not someone whose strength is lecturing. It never has been. Like if you ever see my keynotes, they are not lecture style, they're interactive. Mm -hmm. So for things like this, it's better for me to be scripting it. So. I, I think that's my piece of advice is is you may go against what is considered like a best practice, but I think that knowing your strengths and weaknesses can help you kind of make those informed decisions about how you might do that. But I'm curious about your thoughts about that, Sarah, in addition to your tip. Yeah, I think I think that's great advice, knowing knowing your strengths uh, in that way. I talk to a lot of people who do video, um, and it's really a mixed bag about who scripts and who doesn't. Um, some people, I, I tend to be this way, will script pretty much every word. <laughs> and then once I get into filming, sometimes I'll... Um, I'll change things up a little bit or, or go with a different wording. But I like to have that script and that structure um, going into a video. Uh, but I know a lot of people who don't, or they might just outline it like, oh, I want to talk about this idea here, um, and who are really good at that. But and I, from a presentation standpoint, I'm pretty good at doing off the cuff like that, that doesn't bother me as much, especially if I know the content really well. But for whatever reason, when doing video, because it's going to be like online forever, you know, I want to make sure I get the words right. Uh, I want to make sure I get the, the phrasing correct and the, and the, uh, the right kind of connotation of the things that I'm saying. So I'm a lot more careful and script out those, those things as well. So yeah, I, I'm all for scripting. I know a lot of people who aren't. So knowing your strengths and knowing, um, which direction is best for you to go is, is a, is a, big thing. That's <laughs> for really sure. interesting that you would describe it that way too, because when it comes to podcasting, I don't script any of it. I'm oh, definitely no. like a skeletal outline kind of person. And sometimes I don't even have that. I just like, I know what I want to talk about and I just walk into the room and record. And those sessions are about 10 minutes and, and fine. Like it's, yeah. I, so I don't even like think about them as the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the transcripts part is a big, big part of it for me too. But right. So what is your right. tip? Um, my tip is, uh, to don't let the, um, the the barriers of like, I don't have the right kind of camera or I don't have the right kind of microphone or I don't have the right kind of stop you from creating. Like, don't let those things stand in your way. Um, if you're interested in trying video, try video. We all, at, you know, had to start somewhere and we all kind of sucked when we started. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you find that you learn things along the way and you pick up things. And if you find that you do video and you're like, oh, I hate this. This isn't what I want to do. Great. Move to a different medium or try video in a different way. You know, if you're trying to do direct to camera stuff and you feel like you're not in, you're not engaging or you're not, uh, you're not conveying this stuff in the way that you want to, then try it the way that Katie does and, you know, make a scripted video with the, where you're doing the audio, but you're showing something else on the screen. Like there, there are different ways to use video. So don't let the fear of not doing it right or not doing it in a totally professional way stand in your way of doing it. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Jump in, do the thing. <laughs> uh, well, it's scary. <laughs> Sarah and I both have YouTube channels. Um, I can promise you hers is more interesting than mine. But if you want to, we will link to both of them in the show notes. So you can take a look at kind of the different kinds of things that we're doing um, with that particular medium. Um, mm -hmm. But Sarah, anything else you want to add before we close out? No, I don't think so. 
Okay. Well, thanks everybody for hanging in with us talking about video creation. Next time we're going to get into chatting about some systems for content creation um, and how we're kind of managing all the things as we are building <laughs> the thing. So um, until next time, Sarah, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thanks for chatting with me, Katie. Always fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.